نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له ونشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله صلوات ربه وسلامه عليه وعلى اله واصحابه ومن دعا بدعوته الى يوم الدين اما بعد beloved brothers and sisters in islam assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh very famous surah of the holy quran surah at-tin allah subhanahu wa says wat-tin wa zaytun wa turi sinin wa hadha al-balad al-amin laqad khalaqna al-insana fi ahsan taqwim thumma radadnahu asfala safili sadaqallahu al-azim and we know the meaning of the surah obviously Allah Subhanahu swears by the fig and by the olive and the ulama point out that this reference to the fig and the olive in fact refers to um Baitul Muqaddas or Palestine as we know it the whole country was a country of figs and a country of olives Waturi Sinin and Turi Sinin refers to the Sinai desert that part of the world وَهَذَا الْبَلَدِ الْأَمِينِ And the Balad Al-Ameen, the safe place, the safe city, the city of Makkah. So it means whatever follows the swearing of Allah subhanahu wa swears by these places. Allah says, I swear by these three holy places. لَقَدَ خَلَقْنَا الْإِنسَانَ فِي أَحْسَنِ تَقْوِيمِ I swear that we have created man in the best of forms. There's no better form for man than the form that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created him in. And I'm sure we all agree with that, alhamdulillah. ثُمَّ رَدَدَنَاهُ أَسْفَلَ سَافِلِينَ And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, if we do not appreciate, if we do not appreciate and revere Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the gift of creation and for the gift of making us the way He made us, Then what will happen to us? ثُمَّ رَدَدَنَاهُ أَسْفَلَ سَافِلِينَ Allah subhanahu wa says, I will take you to the lowest of the low. In terms of your creation, in terms of your, the way I made you, the way I shaped you. If you're not happy with that. Meaning if you change that, if you want to bring about changes to the creation of Allah subhanahu wa remember the end result is going to be disastrous. Absolutely disastrous. And today is the third and hopefully the final lecture on the aged. And you may think, wow, you know, not for me. This is, this is for all of us. These lectures are for all of us because inshallah one day all of us will get old, including myself. Well, they say age is just a number. So if you don't think that you're old, then you're not old. But let's see what today's lecture say, says to the, to the aged people. Now, what, what are the things that we need to look at in terms, or, or rather... Uh, with, with, with these verses of Surah Tutin in the background. The perfection of the creation of man. There is no doubt, of course, that when we reach a particular age, our health changes. A lot of health changes comes about. Energy levels drop, your appetite levels drop, uh, so many things. Your act, your act, activity, you're less active than you were before, your body starts to uh, pain more often than not, and you can't get rid of it, and so forth and so on. So forth. 
So, and also the out, outside changes, the face changes. Uh, people who are tall suddenly start getting shorter. People who are short suddenly start getting more shorter. You see them, you know, if you walk there at Sea Point, you see the Jews. Hmm? They get smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. Hmm? Subhanallah. So, وَهَذَا مِمَّا لَا يُحِبُّ الْكَثِيرِ مِنَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ Now, of course, a lot of old people don't like the changes that comes about. They get gray, get wrinkles, can't see properly, they get to wear thick glasses, their teeth fall out. So many things happen to older people. And it could happen to all of us, to all of you, all you young people. And there is a tendency to be taken in by the adverts that we see. Maybe people don't really want to do this, but you see, advertising has a great and tremendous impact on a person. You may not do the thing that you see today, but it forms and shapes a memory in your mind that stays there. And maybe one day you want to implement it. And advertising always appeals to desire. Well, you know, the big advert, follow your desire, you know, quench your thirst, you know, drink coke or quench your thirst, you know. It's all about desire. And, and they advertise things about, you know, this is, this is how you look before and this is how you can look now. And really, if you look at it, if you look at the history of the richest people in the world, and who are they? They're the film stars, the richest people in the world. And if you, and if you, and if you study the history of those who were tried to change their appearance, when it comes to the end of their life, they become hermits. They don't want people to see them. They are so ugly. They have, they have degraded themselves to Allah subhanahu says to asfal asafilin. Because they've interfered with the manner and the way that Allah subhanahu has created them. They don't want to be, they die incognito, even they say their coffin doesn't, mustn't be opened and their face mustn't be opened. Because they look terrible. All the Botox and the injections and the this and the that that people do. So many old, older people, not even older people, but even middle-aged people, uh, try to want to retain the youth which they had when they were 30 and 35. Maybe this is the, kind, the trend that we live in today. Everybody wants to be young, and the young wants to be old. My grandchildren all want to be older than what they are. So my grandkids, know, they're no more six and seven and eight. They now become six, six and a half. Seven, seven and a half. How old are you? Six and a half. No, you're six. No, no pa, I'm six and a half. So they want to increase their age all the time, whereas we want to decrease our age. That's just the nature of man. So of course, when the nature of man has these contradictory signals that is given, then we need to go to the Sunnah of Muhammad Sallallahu We need to go to the Quran. And we need to look at what the Quran tells us. And you know, it's very important that when we read the Sunnah and we read the Quran, and all of us have the opportunity and facility nowadays to do that because everything is in English. You can read the translation. Hani and congratulations to those who can read the Arabic. But there's a point I want to make, and I made this point on Wednesday evening in the class. We read the Quran. <clears throat> Alhamdulillah. Some of us read the Qur'an with a lot of emotion, commitment, that Allah should give us barakah in our lives, lives of our families and children, keep away bala. We read it for, for a lot of purposes. We read the Qur'an also when we sick. We visit somebody, the person says, read Yaseen, we read Yaseen. 
we use a lot of the du'as that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes in the Qur'an, in our du'as after the salah and the mimbar and, and all over. So the Qur'an has a central place in our lives. But why is it that generally the Qur'an has no effect on us? It has a momentary effect on you. And when we sit with the Qur'an, we read it, then we may start crying, or we may uh, pull our scarves over our faces and over our hair. But ten minutes later, after we put that Qur'an down, we again the same person that we were before Allah spoke to us. Because the Qur'an is a book of the kalam of Allah. When you read the Qur'an, Allah is speaking to you. To you. Personally. You open the book, Allah is having a conversation with you. And you, you, you're reading it, and you're listening to it, and you should be affected by it. And as I said on Wednesday night, the level of reading the Qur'an that we should reach is that you must be able to feel that the Qur'an is reading you. Have you ever come across that feeling? You read the Qur'an, if you only understand English, you read the English translation of the Qur'an and suddenly you realize, hold it, this is for me. This, this, this is meant for me. It's as if Allah was talking to me. Instead of me reading the Qur'an, the Qur'an is reading me. It makes an impact. In other words, what is happening is that the Qur'an is affecting me. I'm not just reading it for barakah. I'm reading it because it is talking to me and wanting me. Sometimes the Qur'an talks about things that I've done, which I shouldn't have done, and it affects me. Things that I'm supposed to do, which I'm not doing, and it affects me. So that is, on the first level, on the ground level, that is what should happen when you read the Qur'an. The Qur'an should be reading the reader. The Qur'an should be reading you. You should be reading in the Qur'an as if the Qur'an is talking directly to you. And you know, even if you're a non-Muslim, it will have that effect. The Qur'an has that effect even on non-Muslims. If you read... I'm reading a book at the moment, two, three books of one writer. His name is Jeffrey Lang. You get his books. He's an American who became Muslim. And one of the things that strikes me always when I read about them is that these people, you look about Yusuf Islam, all these people who would, would accept Islam. If you read their biographies and the manner in which they came to Islam, they came to Islam via reading the Quran. When they were not Muslim. Can you imagine that a man who is not Muslim is affected by the Qur'an? And a man who is Muslim is not affected by the Qur'an. So if I'm a Muslim and I'm not affected by the Qur'an, there's something radically, drastically wrong with me. And you know, we always say this, you want to do the same thing over and over and get a different result. You want to go out and feed people in this country as a Muslim, for the last 300 years we've been doing it and expecting people to come and become Islam in droves and thousands and it doesn't happen. What do we do? 
every year we do the same. Comes to Ramadan, we come to Muharram, we do the same thing over and over and there's zero results. And nobody's ever thought, whoa, 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 whoa. We make 500 decks and 1,000 decks and 200 decks and 500 and we collect 100, 200,000 grand's worth of potatoes and meat and we feed all these people with what intent? With intent, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala should. They should become Muslim, but they don't. And we learn every day and we do the same thing and we don't say, whoa, 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 let's just step back and see what we should be doing. What should we be doing? What is the Qur'an's methodology of bringing people into the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Did Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam make decks of food and give it to the Quraysh? Not a single time. Not a single time. Yet the whole of Arabia today is Muslim. Similarly the Qur'an. We must understand that change comes only through the Qur'an. I know it seems like a strange thing. Change comes only through the Qur'an. And Umar ibn al-Khattab he tells us, he was asked one day by a man, by a young man, how did you become Muslim? When did your heart change? You were in, you were in, you were in, what is the word? You were an enemy of the Nabi Sallallahu you wanted to kill him. When did your heart change? When did you have a change of heart? Now, historically, we know that the change of heart came when he went to his sister Fatima and she was reading and some change came about. But long before that, he said something happened. That one day he was in the haram, late at night, in the middle of the night, and he was lonely, had nowhere to go, and he sat there and he heard the reading of the Qur'an. Couldn't see the person, and he went and he looked and he saw it was the Nabi Wasallam making salah in the haram. Alayhi salatu wasalam. So he said to himself, well, I've got nothing to do. There's nobody here to watch what I'm doing. Nobody can see what I'm doing. I'd like to listen to the way Muhammad Sallallahu reads the Qur'an. Just to pass the time. So yes, Nabi Sallallahu was reading Surah Al-Haqa. Al-Haqatum Al-Haqa. Wa ma adraqam Al-Haqa. So he's listening. And you can't listen to that Surah, I mean, especially when Abdul Basit reads it. Now if Abdul Basit can have that effect, then you imagine Nabi Sallallahu reads it for you. Subhanallah. You know, Al-Haqatum Al-Haqa, when Abdul Basid reads it, no, no Qari has ever come after him who reads that surah like he reads that surah. So here the Nabi was reading that same surah, and Omar was hiding, I mean, he was hiding, and he was listening. And you know, eventually, Omar says, you know, I said to myself, and Omar at that stage was, a, was an idol worshipper. He was, he, was he was a truly committed idol worshipper. And he used to say, you know, when I, when I used to go on travels, I used to take my small idol with me. Couldn't take Ubal with me, the big one that's in the Haram. So I used to take a small one with me. Whenever I want to say my prayers, I used to take this little Ubal out and put him down, you know, and make suju to him. And one day he said, you know, I forgot my little idol at home. Today it's a phone or whatever else, idols that we have. We can't, you can't do without it. You leave home without your little idol, you turn around, you know, even if it's in the middle of traffic, and you go and you fetch it. We have our own little idol. So don't, don't, don't just look askance at Umar ibn Khattab. So Umar says, this day I forgot my cell phone or my idol. And what I did was, I took some dates and I made a nice little sculpture of Ubalio from the dates. And I made sujoo to it and afterwards I ate it up. Can you imagine a man of that caliber of knowledge and understanding and intelligence, one of the only 17 people who could read the Quran in Makkah at the time? He was a great, he was, he was a man with a great mind. 
So he says, now I'm sitting and I'm listening to the Nabi reading Surah Al-Haq. And he says, I said to myself, this, this man can never be a messenger, impossible. Impossible, I don't believe that he's a Rasul. I mean, I was trying to convince himself that, no, no, this is just, this is just words, just reading. When he said those words, Allah subhanahu revealed in Surah the, the, the 40th verse of Surah Al-Haqqa. Prophet had just come to the 40th verse of Surah Al-Haqqa when he was thinking this to himself. And then the Prophet read, إِنَّهُ لَقَوْلُ رَسُولِ الْكَرِيمِ Verily these are the words of a blessed Prophet. So Umar got a bit of a shock. He got a bit of a fright. He said, wow. This is strange. He didn't know what I was... I wasn't saying anything. I was just thinking this. And now he's saying... He's, he's countering what I'm saying. You know, he's reading. Then he said... Poet. That's what he is. He's just a poet. Then in the 41st surah, Allah subhanahu wa Nabi sallallahu reads... Wama huwa He's not a poet. Qalila ma tu'minun. Little do you believe. Wow. His lips didn't move. He was just thinking this. Then he says to himself, magician. He is a magician. He is using the gene. Maybe there's a gene sitting next to me or something. You know, people say today, you know, they go to the, to this dargan, that dargan, they say, you know, this one is up. So Omar said, this is the 40, second verse. What did Allah SWT say? Ma huwa bikain. Khalila ma He is not a magician. Little do you apply your mind to the Qur'an. Little do you apply your mind to the Qur'an. Omar said that was the turning point in his life. He was an avid, committed mushrik. He heard 43 verses of the Qur'an. And how many verses are in the Qur'an? More than 60,000. And it affected his heart. It changed him. And that is when I, what I say when I say, get to the point where you realize the Qur'an is reading you, and you are not reading the Qur'an. If you can see yourself in the Qur'an, if you can see yourself that Allah SWT is talking to you, then mashallah, your life and my life and our lives will change as Muslims. So, we're coming back to our topic, that's not our topic. Our topic is, that older people find themselves in the situation where they f- see their faces change. They're not as young as they were, not as attractive as they were. Of course, women as well. And of course, the thing you shouldn't ask an old person is what? How old are you, Sheikh? How old are you, Titi? How old are you, Auntie? Especially women. Don't ask that question. Don't ask me how old I am. You can see I'm old, but don't lose my age. Why not? Because we have some kind of a kind of a fear that maybe the person would like me less, or the person will have a lesser uh, opinion of me, or I may think I'm old and I don't want to be looked as old. And also, maybe it means that I'm going to die soon. Somebody, you said, how old are you? I'm 75. Oh, yeah, he's going to die. And all of these reactions of not wanting to say how old are you and wanting to keep yourself young is all about fearing death. 
It's all about the fact that you think you're nearer to death now that you're getting older. Despite the fact that the reality is the opposite. In real life, people, old people sometimes, younger people die a lot more longer than older people. Older people live to 100 sometimes and they, all the grandchildren are dead and all the children are also dead. They buried all their children. Nabi Sallallahu buried three of his daughters and all his sons before he died. Only one child was left the day that he And he was Muhammad Sallallahu So it's an illusion. It's a deceptive illusion that the older you get, the closer you are to death. It's a delusion. In fact, the older you get, the happier you should be because now you can do more good, make more dhikr, give more sadaqah. So what do we do? We try and change our appearance. And today we will look at the ahadith of the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi as to what does the Sharia say about changing your appearance? We know, for example, that grayness, to go gray, is a sign that you have reached. Old age to me is not a good term. That you become older. Because sometimes people are young also have gray hair. But if you're older, the first sign is that you go gray. And grayness, in terms of the Sharia, is an honor. Honor from who? An honor from biology, physiology? No. Nabi Sallallahu says, "Min ijlalillahi taala, ikram bi shaybatil muslim." Listen, young people, listen. Nabi Sallallahu says. Of the veneration and the reverence of Allah is that He honors the person who has gone gray. So, grayness is a reverence from Allah. It's, it's Allah honoring you. It's an honor from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so is the fact that it's taken you to an, to an older age. And there are many things that ages a person. Sometimes people are old, but they don't look old. People do, some people don't age. Some people are 70, they still have black hair, or 60 or 65. Some people are 40 and they have, they're gray. So there are many things physically that, that ages us. There are also things in the abstract it ages us. One day, Ibn Abbas says, Qala Abu Bakr, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Abu Bakr one day came to the Prophet sallallahu and he said, Ya Rasulullah, because he was closest, most beloved, he saw all the changes the Nabi was going through. He said, Ya Rasulullah, Shibta. He looked and said, Ya Rasulullah, are you kidding? You're getting, you're getting gray. Look at the love. Look at the love. So you're getting gray means you're getting old. What did the Nabi say to him? The Nabi looked at him and the Nabi said to him, Shayabatni hudun wal waqi'ah wal mursalat wa amma yatasa'alun. 
وَإِذَا الشَّمْسُ كُوِّرَتْ What did the Nabi say to him? Did the Nabi say to him, Ya Abu Bakr, you know, I had a, I had a long life and I had a, you know, a difficult life, you know. I was an orphan, I grew up as an orphan. I had this great task of taking the Tawheed to the Quraysh and now Allah SWT has given me this major task of taking this deen to the whole world. Subhanallah. What did the Nabi say? He said, you know Abu Bakr what has made me grey? Surah Hud. Surah Al-Waqi'ah. Surah Al-Mursalat. Surah Amma Yatasa'alun. Thumma wa shamsu kuwirat. In Surah Al-Shamsu kuwirat. In other words, these verses, these surahs had such an impact on him. And shook him. So he says, that made me grey. Because these, these ayat, a lot of these surahs deal with the akhirah. And a lot of these surahs deal with the responsibility of man that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had placed on man. And particularly the responsibility that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had placed on Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa So sometimes it doesn't mean that you get old because of your physical age. But sometimes you get old because of the responsibility that you have maybe. Or maybe because of the Fikr, the thoughts that you have about maybe the ummah, maybe about your family, maybe about many things. Of course, many people get old because of their business, but that's their own business. <clears throat> it reminds me just as a side, something on the side. I was reading, and I said this on Wednesday evening as well, it just, just struck me now. We're talking about business, and we're talking about good things that people do. Business is a good thing. If we don't have business people, we won't have masjids, and the poor people will be poor, and we know zakah will come. So it's a good thing. These are all good things, and akhirah, inshallah, you will see all the benefits of the business which you've done on the dunya. But the Battle of Badr, at the Battle of Badr, and again, we see, the, we see the wisdom of Muhammad At the Battle of Badr, after they buried the people, the Quraysh who died, the Mushrikun. Because remember, the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, they were victorious. The Quraysh, after they lost the battle, they ran away. So they left all the dead on the battlefield. And the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam instructed the Sahaba to bury the dead. It was a big well, unused well in it. They threw all the bodies in the well. And after they had buried the dead and they had buried the martyrs of the Muslims, the Nabi Sallallahu went and he stood at the place where they buried the Bushrikun and he said, You have done a lot of good. He said, Omar said, Omar said, Omar said, You're speaking to the dead, Ya Rasulullah? Allah Subhanahu wa can make them if Allah wants. But I'm saying to them, that you've done a lot of good. A lot of good has preceded you. Now when I read this, I thought, a strange statement for a prophet to make. Because these are, well, mushrikun, they're going to Jahannam, they're going to burn. There's no shafa for them. Yet the prophet had said this. And then he went to the martyrs, the graves of the martyrs of the Muslims who had died at Badr, and he said, there's a lot of good waiting for you. Your good is waiting for you. Subhanallah. 
thumma subhanallah, thumma subhanallah. So what was he saying? He was saying that the good that you do in this dunya must be done for Allah, otherwise you leave it here. Otherwise it gets left here. And he was acknowledging the fact that the Quraysh were good people. They were very generous people. They looked after the poor, they looked after the traveler, all the people who came to Makkah, they looked after them. And they, were, they loved family. They were very carnage, but, but loved their family. So a lot of good, but what didn't, what didn't they have? Why are they going to Jahannam? Because they rejected the Tawheed of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. On the other side, the martyrs, they were good people. And they worshipped Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So their goodness is waiting for them inshallah on the other side. That was Muhammad sallallahu So the Nabi sallallahu said something. In other words, what he was saying to Abu Bakr is, read these surahs. These surahs are significant surahs in understanding the Qur'an. So we hear that Allah subhanahu wa ijlal, mean ijlal, mean ijlalillah, of the vengeance of Allah, of the honoring of Allah, of, his, of, 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 hum, of humanity is to make their hair turn gray. This is the gift from Allah, the honor from Allah subhanahu And the Nabi sallallahu says, says Imam Tirmidhi in a hadith, مَنْ شَابَ شَيْبَةً فِي الْإِسْلَامِ كَانَتْ لَهُ نُورًا يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةً the Nabi Sallallahu says, a Muslim who grows old in Islam and goes gray, that grayness will be a light for him on the day of Qiyamah. That grayness will be a light for him on the day of Qiyamah. You know, when I did this research on this topic, I must admit to you that there was a time when I used to dye my hair. Very long time ago. I'm so glad I will give this lecture now with undyed hair. <laughs> but you know, when I read this, I wanted to cry, you know, to think that I actually did that. Whether I did it out of ignorance or vanity or whatever it may be. I think. But when I read this, subhanAllah, I thought, look at this. Eh? If we don't know, we don't know. And it's important for me to convey this message to you so that you also know. That remember the gray is what? Is your light on the day of Qiyamah. وفي رواية أخرى أن هذا حديث النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم من شاب شيبة في سبيل الله كانت له نورا يوم القيامة. Again the Nabi صلى الله عليه وسلم says, person who grows grey في سبيل الله in the path of Allah سبحانه وتعالى, meaning struggling to do his ibadah to Allah سبحانه وتعالى, it will be for him a light on the day of Qiyamah. Nabi صلى الله عليه وسلم says, do not change. Of course, we'll come to that later. What we can do to the hair that we have. But the Nabi Sallallahu says in another hadith that every gray hair on the day of Qiyamah will be a hasana. It will be a good deed in your scale. And every gray hair, Allah Subhanahu will raise your darajah. Why? Because you're acknowledging. The acknowledgement is, Ya Allah, I'm happy with the way you made me. وَلَقَدْ خَلَقْنَا الْإِنسَانَ فِي فِي أَحْسَنِ تَقْوِيمِ Oh Allah, I recognize and acknowledge the fact that you have created me in the best of form. Whatever I do to myself, I can never ever replace the beauty that you have created me with. And the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, that shayb, gray hair, is إِنَّهُ نُورُ الْمُسْلِمِ is the light of a Muslim, the nur of a Muslim, the nur of a Muslim. 
So we can decide to extinguish the noor or we can decide to let the noor stay and be with us inshallah on the day of Qiyamah. Now, what does the Sharia say about changing the color of your hair? We know, of course, that it is not allowed to change your hair color to black. That's not allowed. It's completely disallowed. In fact, some of the ulama say it's haram. Most of them say it's haram. Others say that it is very, very makru. Makru tahrimi. Makru tahrimi means, in the Shafi fiqh, means very close to haram. Not haram, but very close to haram. Why? Because the hadith of Abu Huraira, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, إِنَّ الْيَهُودِ وَالنَّصَارَى لَا يَزْبَغُونَ فَخَالِفُوهُمْ Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, the Jews and the Christians like to change the air to black. When they make sibra, when they, when they tint it, when they dye it, they turn it, to, they do it into black. And Ibn Abbas radiallahu ta'ala Abdullah ibn Abbas says, مَرَّ على النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم رجل قد خطب بالحناء عبد الله بن عباس in this hadith narrated by Abu Dawood he says a man who had dyed his hair with hina one day passed the prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم and the prophet said ما احسن هذا prophet said how beautiful is this MashaAllah. How beautiful is this? قَالَ فَمَرَّ آخَرْ قَدْ خَضِبَ بِالْحِنَاءِ And another person came with the same Prophet again said, هَذَا أَحْسَنْ مَا أَحْسَنَ هَذَا فَمَرَّ آخَرْ And then a third person came and he had dyed his hair yellowish, yellowish color. فَقَالَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَى سَلَّمْ And the Nabi صلى الله عليه وسلم said, so, Hina probably is a brownish color, but this is a yellowish color. Yellowish. Safra, Sufra. Different from the darkish brown of Hina. And what did the Nabi say about the Sufra, the yellowish color? Prophet said, Hada ahsan min hada kulli. Nabi said, This is the best of all the colors. This is the best of all. Please don't come next week with yellow hair. <laughs> Subhanallah. No, I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm saying that. Uh, uh, of course, you don't have to do it. <laughs> but if you want to color your way, this is, these are the colors that you must use. So the Prophet ﷺ had encouraged the use of the yellowish and the use of hina to dye your Whether it is dyeing your beard or dyeing your hair, doesn't matter. وَعَنْ ibn رَمْثَ قَالَ أَتَيْتُ أَنَا وَأَبِي النَّبِي The Sahabi says, and this is also reported by Abu Dawood. Habi says, We met the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi one day and he had stained his beard the color of Hina. Sunnah of the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. وَاسْتَدَلُّ عَلَى التَّحْرِيمِ أَيْضًا and those ulama who say it's haram to dye your hair black. is based on a hadith of Ibn Abbas. قال, قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم, the Nabi صلى الله عليه وسلم said, يَكُونُ قَوْمٌ 
في آخر الزمان. People will come in the last days, in this day that we live in, آخر الزمان. بالسواد, and they will dye their hair black. كحواصل الحمام. لا يريحون رائحة الجنة. They will not smell the smell of Jannah. And he was asked why. He said, because we are following in the footsteps of the Yahud and the Nasar. And the Nabi Sallallahu said, in the Akhiriz Zaman, Muslims will be so much following the West, that if the West should go down a desert hole, lizards in the desert live in holes. He said, if the West should go down a lizard hole, we'll follow, follow them going down the lizard hole. That's the stage that we will reach. So we should try and not do that which they do. And finally, my wife said, what are we going to talk about today? I said, I'm going to talk about Botox. She always gets upset when I give her the topic. I always give some strange topic to her. I explained to her what I was going to talk about. But of course, Botox comes into it because we're also talking about people changing their facial features. Of course, again, I refer you back to Surah 15 where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, خَلَقْنَا الْإِنسَانَ فِي أَحْسَنِ تَقْوِيمِ And Allah subhanahu wa says in the Quran, صَوَّرَكُمْ فَأَحْسَنَ صُوَرَكُمْ Allah says, I have shaped you and I have made you and I have given you what I've given you in terms of eyes and face and whatever I've given you. فَأَحْسَنَ صُوَرَكُمْ And Allah says, I have tried to do it in the best and the most beautiful shape that I could ever done it. In Surah An-Nisa, verse 119, Allah SWT talks about this. Talks about the changing of the features of man to make it more beautiful, especially amongst women, but also today amongst men as well. Allah SWT says, I have commanded you with one thing, and you have changed the creation of Allah SWT. I've asked you to be satisfied with the way I created you, and you have changed the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then the hadith of the Nabi Sallallahu that mentions tattoos and those who tattoo. It's mentioned. It's haram. And Allah, Nabi Sallallahu mentions all kinds of changes. Well, the Arabs used to, to, uh, to make gaps in between their teeth. We have today, of course, they say if you come from the Cape Flats and you, you're two front teeth is taken, you take out your two front teeth. Also for some kind of Cape Flats beautification, but I mean that is confined to the Cape Flats. So all these changes, people want to remove their wrinkles and, 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 and change their nose, the shape of their nose, and all these kinds of things. All these things are not allowed in Islam. They're not allowed in Islam. One should be, I think when you get older, you should bring on more your, the inside. That you can show. Now, now you can show the inside. You don't have to show off the outside. You can show off the inside. Subhanallah. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give inshallah that we take lesson from these things. And may Allah forgive us if we had sinned in the past. And we had not done what we were supposed to do. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guide us inshallah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make that we're happy with who we are. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make that if we go gray inshallah that we, that we, we smile and we say this is the light. You know, this is the nur. This is the nur that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given to us. والله تعالى أعلم السلام عليكم